I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And we're the Sirens. Today we're discussing the 1965 film adaptation of The Sound of Music, which centers on Maria, a young Austrian postulant in Salzburg, Austria in 1938. Her wild ways make her stand out at the Abbey in a bad way, and she is sent for a break to the villa of retired naval officer and widower Captain von Trapp to be governess to his seven children. (laughs) She soon falls in love with the children and their father to the backdrop of the Nazi annexation of Austria. Romance and peril ensue. (laughs) As if anyone doesn't know the plot of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, in case you didn't know. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a lot going on in this movie. I have a lot of questions, particularly about Austrian geography that I hope we like <laughs> get to. But yes, <laughs> that that will come up in the trivia. Okay, good. <laughs> is that a good segue to the trivia? Yes, this is a good segue. Um, I just so want to th- know how. What, uh, my key question is: How does Austria have a navy? But well, um, yeah, <laughs> as a landlocked country. I probably dove like too much into the background of this movie in like the actual biographies of the Von Trapp family. (laughs) So I actually have an answer to that, Hillary. But excellent. All um, right. Good. (laughs) So The Sound of Music is one of the most commercially successful films of all time. Four weeks after its theatrical release, it became the number one box office movie in the United States, and it held the number one position for 30 of the next 43 weeks and ended up the highest grossing film of 1965. Um, And I think it wasn't, it didn't get removed from that spot until Greece came out, like some years later. The the Von Trapp family had no control over how they were depicted in this film and in the stage musical because they gave up their rights to the story to a German producer in the 1950s who then sold the rights to American producers. And they basically took whatever liberties they wanted with the story. (laughs) Made everything up. (laughs) Yes. And (laughs) this is is all a based on, a based on, a based on. Maria wrote a memoir after her husband died as a way to, like, drum up business for, like, their family as performers. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that was sold to these like German producers who made a German movie about the Von Trapp family that was very popular in the 50s. That was a little bit closer to the actual biography. Uh-huh. And then that was bought to turn be turned into a stage musical by Americans. Um, and they and that was with the Rodgers and Hammerstein music and everything. And that was a big hit. But then that was not to be adapted to this movie. So it's like very much a game of telephone uh-huh. um, with a lot of changes. To get to your geography question, <laughs> in the film, the Von Trapp family hike over the Alps from Austria to Switzerland to escape the Nazis, which makes no sense at all because... Salzburg is on the other side of the country? <laughs> yes, and it's it's close to the German border. Yeah. So it's like Salzburg is like 200 miles from Switzerland and the Von Trapp Villa was like right kind of bordering Bavaria. (laughs) And when they have the final scene in the movie with the family hiking in the mountains, they're actually, they can actually see Germany 
and it's within sight of Hitler's eagle's nest. Oh my god. Retreat. Yes. <laughs> so, and the reality of like what the real family did was they they just took a train to Italy. And um actually the day after the real family left Austria, Hitler closed Austria's borders. Mm-hmm. So they were very lucky. Charmaine Carr was a model. She she played Liesel, who mm-hmm. was and she worked part-time in a doctor's office and had never had a singing lesson and really wasn't interested in being an actress. Mm-hmm. And a friend sent her photo um to the casting director and she was asked to interview. And they said she was so pretty and had such poison charm that they liked her immediately and they hired her. And she beat out like all the top, all these big stars: Geraldine Chaplin, Kim Darby, Patty Duke, Mia oh Farrow, oh my and Leslie Ann Warren, what? among like other people for this role. I I thought she was quite good in it, considering she really had no experience. Mm-hmm. We bioed Christopher Plummer before, didn't we? And talked about how he's known for being a jerk. Um, I can't remember what we would have seen with him in it, but. Uh, yes I, I i mean i do i have heard that that he is has, is known for being a jerk <laughs> well he apparently hated this movie and yeah. didn't want to be in it and um they really they asked him like a bunch of times before he said yes and he only said yes because they said he could help adapt the role to make it have more substance uh-huh. um he referred to it as the sound of mucus <laughs> Or S and M, and he likened working with Julie Andrews to being hit over the head with a Valentine's Day card every day. Oh my god! Yeah, what a jerk. But apparently they stayed friends for the rest of their lives, and like that wasn't a sore spot. But um, he, yeah, I guess he just was not a fan. It was interesting that I didn't know this, like, because I. I wasn't thinking about the timeline, but he and Julie Andrews were both not famous when they were cast in this. I think he was more of a stage actor. Mm -hmm. And then she had filmed Mary Poppins, but it hadn't come out yet. So, and that was really like her first big role. So nobody Mm -hmm. really knew who either of them were. And the bigger Mm -hmm. names were more like the minor characters, like the Baroness and Max um, and like the nuns. Uh Uh-huh. Which is interesting when you think about like how the film is viewed now. Uh-huh. Interesting. So the film was dubbed into other languages and the Nazi theme was especially unpopular in Germany. Uh-huh. And the Munich branch manager for 20th Century Fox approved an unauthorized cutting of the entire third act of the film following the wedding. The studio intervened and the original film was restored and the branch manager was fired. I mean, it does make it, um, you know, a lot shorter. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it more, but like it really felt like it was two different films. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, oh, I mean, this I this is just kind of a throwaway, but it was also unpop. This movie was unpopular in Austria because Austrians you know a lot of liberties were taken with the culture Mm -hmm. and they thought it was really an abomination as you know for the way that it depicts the country and Mm. like that the costumes were totally wrong and 
you know, for people who are really reverent about music, they thought that the music didn't represent Austria. Hmm. And uh, it seemed like, you know, eventually as the money came rolling in, <laughs> people kind of got on board and then there were like festivals and there's a lot of tourism around this movie. Mm -hmm. um, so it's less so. But when it came out, they were like, no. So that's all I have. Obviously, there's a lot like there's documentaries that are like behind the scenes of The Sound of Music. So if you're interested, <laughs> there's a lot you can pursue out there. <laughs> Lots of opportunities to to learn more. Um, so who did you bio, Hill? Um, I bioed Julie Andrews, who uh, who I this was the first movie we'd seen with her in it. I guess this is an appropriate first one for us to <laughs> yes. watch and discuss. So she was born Julia Elizabeth Wells in October 1935 in England. Uh, with the outbreak of World War II, her parents went separate ways and soon divorced, each remarried. Um, her mother married a man named Ted Andrews, and um, side note, her dad was also named Ted. Um, so there are a lot of a lot of Teds uh, in her <laughs> early life. She That's learned... not confusing. No, not confusing at all. Um, she also referred to her stepfather as Uncle Ted for uh, a while. Um, so I don't know, just to just to make it even that much more confusing. Um, she lived briefly with her father and her brother, John, in Surrey. And then in 1940, she uh, was sent to live with her mother and stepfather, who hurt because her dad thought it, they would be better able to provide for um, her artistic training. Um, but the Andrews family was very poor and lived in like a part of London where there it just wasn't um there weren't a lot of like extra resources and plus by then it was a war um so it's just kind of a uh she referred to it as a very black period in her life um her mother and stepfather were both performers themselves um and they um their careers improved so they were able to afford better surroundings um and they eventually moved back to Andrews's hometown of Hersham her stepfather paid for lessons for her first at an independent arts educational school and then for some private tutoring with a voice instructor who was very pivotal in her life. And then in beginning in 1945 and for the next two years, she performed uh, on stage with her mother and stepfather. And then eventually her stepfather introduced her to a managing director from Moss Empire's who made it possible for her to make her professional solo debut at the age of 12 at the London Hippodrome, performing in a musical review that uh, lasted for one year. Then in November 1948, she became the youngest solo performer ever to be seen in the Royal Variety performance before King George VI and Queen Elizabeth, and she was 13 at the time. And you know, that's just sort of like set the, the stage literally and and figuratively I guess for just a long career of um performing basically all the time for um high profile audiences um her mother and stepfather got involved in radio and television um and she right before she turned 19 she made her Broadway debut uh in the London musical The Boyfriend um was I think the musical like premiered in London and then it, when it moved to Broadway she went with it she was anxious about moving to New York because she was you know she was a breadwinner for her family so it was kind of like a a risky thing to do 
Um, but that was successful. Um, she her next gig was to appear in a television film with Bing Crosby. And then once uh, like towards the end of the the run of the boyfriend, she was approached to audition for Lerner and Lowe for the role of Eliza Doolittle Little um, in My Fair Lady. Um, and she this was uh, a role that she took that really changed. It was like a pivotal role for her. She learned a lot in, during the course of the performance. And it was also the, the performance that caught Richard, Richard Rogers's eye, basically wrote the role of Cinderella for the television musical Cinderella for her, um, for which she received an Emmy Award nomination. She, like I said, she just worked a lot all the time across medium media, including she released her debut solo album in 1957. Then in 1960, she was cast in um, in Camelot with Richard Burton. Casting started for My Fair Lady in 1962, and Warner Brothers decided to not give her the role of Liza Doolittle and instead go with um, Audrey Hepburn, because as you mentioned, uh, Julie Andrews didn't have uh the name recognition and they they're mm-hmm. like audrey hepburn has never made a flap so let's go with it. audrey hepburn um so dumb i mean like i do enjoy the movie my fair lady but like yeah they had to dub the entire thing yeah well so fun fact apparently when she so she went on to be given the role of mary poppins for what she won an academy award and apparently at the end of one of her like award speeches because she won a bunch of awards for her role in Mary Poppins she thanked Jack Warner for uh his support which was kind of like a snarky way to be like thanks for not casting me in that role because then I could be in Mary Poppins and Mm -hmm. you know get all the support so she in 1963 she uh she took the role of Mary Poppins she initially was not going to be in the film because she was um pregnant and Disney insisted on having her and like even went so far as to wait for her to be ready um, and paid for a house or her family to live nearby in LA. And so, you know, that made it a lot easier. The movie was nominated for 13 Academy Awards, including, like I said, her um, Academy Award for Best Actress. Um, And really, I think I read that it was like the top grossing Disney film for years mm-hmm. and, and so um yeah so it worked out well for her um then she like in the rest of the 60s she was in a number of uh, additional films including the americanization of emily the sound of music she in the 70s she she was in two flops star and darling lily i have seen darling lily i don't remember it being terrible but whatever um <laughs> and, <laughs> Um, and then she, she's like throughout this whole period of like the sixties and seventies, she just was on in a lot of like TV specials, including, um, a series of specials with, um, Carol Burnett, which if you, if you've never heard like the, like the recordings of the two of them in that show, like highly recommend, um, that it's just like fantastic to hear Carol Burnett and Julie Andrews together. But she, you know, she was just in a lot of TV things. She, over the course of the, like, the 70s, in 1982, she was in Victor Victoria, also a movie to watch for sure. Um, and then in 1997, she um, had a botched vocal surgery that meant 
that her singing voice was severely damaged and she like didn't sing on camera for years um, until she was in the princess diaries in 2001 (laughs) Um, uh, in these last uh, couple of decades she's received numerous honors including that she was made a dame commander of the order of the british uh empire she was awarded the afi lifetime achievement award um just this past june um delayed two years because of covid uh in addition to all of this she also um has been a children's book writer mm-hmm. and, and and written uh, a number of books with her daughter emma and she's still alive <laughs> Which is something yeah. you can't say about many of the people that we talk about. <laughs> that I was thinking, since this is like the most recent movie we've covered for the podcast, that I was like, a lot of these cast members are still alive. It's yeah. so nice. Yeah. I loved that she did The Princess Diaries. Like, that was a movie dear to my heart when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, and there's the like the I didn't mention this uh, in the like in the official bio, but she was asked to be in a cameo in Mary Poppins Returns, and she declined because she didn't want to potentially overshadow Emily Blunt at all, which I think is well, just very classy. Yeah, that is classy. I mean, they they had Dick Van Dyke in that yeah revival movie, um, and he still danced. I know. <laughs> I feel like my life is sort of revolving around these musicals because I just, just this weekend, I saw Cinderella, the Rodgers and Hammerstein one on stage Uh in between the first and watching the first and second half of this movie. (laughs) So you're just like Rodgers and Hammerstein. And then also just a few weeks ago, I saw Mary Poppins on stage as well. So it just seems like... My life as a musical, yeah, <laughs> or at least I wish it was. Do you? I mean, I feel like everyone has background with this movie. What What is yours? I mean, this was a movie that I loved as growing up, and um, you know, listened to the soundtrack on repeat. And we had the stage soundtrack, um, which is slightly different from the film soundtrack, um, like on a on cassette, and we listened to it, listened to it in the car all the time. Well, it's it is that kind of sound. Even this time watching it, like I couldn't help but sing some of the songs as I was watching the movie. Yeah, I did fast forward through sixteen going on seventeen because I listened <laughs> to the first couple of lines and I was like, "Okay, well, this has not aged really at well at no. all." <laughs> no, that that one has not, and that. But the one that I find the most grating is the goat herd song. Oh, really? I thought you were going to say, "How do you solve a problem like Maria?" Uh, spoiler no. that you solve a problem by making sure she gets married to a man <laughs> how you solve a problem <laughs> uh yeah so I the think goat I'm herd a- one grates on you yes it's so annoying there's yodeling in it well it, so i have sort of a love-hate relationship with this movie uh-huh. in that i think i mentioned this when we talked about gone with the wind but when I was growing up, we went over my dad's parents every Sunday, mm-hmm. and they had three movies uh-huh. on VHS, uh-huh. and the movies were Gone with the Wind, uh-huh. The Land Before Time, which is oh what they God. bought for the grandkids, uh-huh. and The Sound of Music. So I watched this movie, th- th- we watched one of them every week. 
So you watch this like once a month. Yeah. So I watched it like once a month and it gets very irritating if you, it's like overexposure. Yeah. I was going to say, if you watch it more than once every uh, like four years, it's too much. Yeah. I think at this, like I haven't watched the movie in like 10 years plus Mm -hmm. so and there were certain parts that I like didn't remember and I was like when did this part happen (laughs) and a bunch of more recently I've seen the play a couple of times Mm. like within the past 10 years Mm -hmm. and and like you said the play is different Mm -hmm. I think actually the play I don't want to be one of those obnoxious people who's like the play is better but like the play in terms of the political theme I was gonna say it has more of the political theme yeah so because like when I was watching it i was like the nazis are barely in this what is going on like i I didn't remember because in the play it's like a much bigger theme but anyway where are the nazis where are the nazis (laughs) a a thing you don't usually ask (laughs) i just remembered there being more nazis that's that i had especially the music like i heard it so much that i had a lot of trouble with it and actually the songs i like the best now are some of the less popular songs like i really like um um somewhere in my youth or childhood oh like, something good yeah yeah i think that's a really beautiful romantic song but it's mm-hmm. not like one of the big ones that people play a lot mm-hmm. i love um, that song too yeah it's I actually like the hills are alive too Uh I think that's a really pretty song but the the thing that was most striking to me watching it this time was just how amazing the scenery and setting were Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that was just what I kept thinking over and over and over again like I can't believe they filmed this on location and with the helicopters and all that well apparently the weather was bad a lot so they like it, it was a pain well i believe that like even when that opening scene where they're coming across the mountains and then they just eventually like very slowly zoom in and it's just maria up there singing i mean that's beautiful yeah um i can't believe they did that without a drone i know (laughs) but yeah i i have mixed feelings about it because it it is a little cloyingly sweet oh yeah it's ridiculous yeah and I like that they stand for something, but when you look at the movie, it's like the whole first, like the first two thirds of the movie, Maria is is feisty and she's lively and she doesn't fit in with the nuns because she can't contain her like spirit. And then she tells the captain off left and right. And then as soon as they get to the point where they confess their feelings to each other and then they're going to get married it's like the entire perspective of the film changes and Mm -hmm. she's just like a secondary character yeah right it's almost like the minute they start singing the kids start singing i think it's before they profess their love because he they like have this big fight in the in the stairwell and then or no in the like on the port on the terrace and then the kids have like gone in and managed to change out of their wet clothes and like three and a half minutes all seven of them and get a guitar and get Baron and Schrader <laughs> like in the fancy room and they're like singing to her randomly and like that's the moment where he's like oh actually my kids are singing I this is amazing this governess is incredible I don't want her to leave and then I because I, I think that's the moment that it changes and and she's no longer like 
no longer headstrong and like opinionated in the best ways and then like they they like subsequently fall in love like the next second um but it's like there's like maria like you said i think you're right maria is no longer really like an important character yeah it's kind of sad because i like i even when i was a little girl i remember being annoyed by like the way it's just so clear that like captain von trapp is the one making all the decisions and all in the end Mm -hmm. when i was rewatching it this time i was like oh no i must i misremembered some of this because like maria is really like sticking up for herself and sticking up for the kids and then i was like oh wait there's a huge shift at this point and that all just disappears because now Mm -hmm. she's with a man (laughs) yeah Um, well and even when like at the very end when they come back from their honeymoon and Liesl's like oh you know I don't know what to do because this guy that I was in love with like is not in love with me anymore and you know Maria's like well you know you know be patient but there's a line that says like lo and behold you're someone's wife and you belong to him and I was like "Mm, I don't know yeah is that that's not well we don't like that no, I cringed at that too. And all yeah, the 16 going on 17. I mean, I hated that from the time I was a kid. I was like, you know, little Emily feminist, like seven-year-old being like, this is annoying. She doesn't need anyone to take care of her. <laughs> I would love to get into some of the like subtext of this movie. Did you notice that like Liesl was the aggressor on Rolf? Yes. And then... I, some of the stuff I was reading online was like that there's a theory that he was like repressed but actually like not interested in women and like there was this whole like like subtext and that he actually liked Captain Von Trapp and I was like well I didn't get that at all from this no, movie. <laughs> I think that's like taking it like way too far. Okay. <laughs> but it did that seem not developed enough to like no yeah i mean I, I i was surprised to read that i agree but i did think it was odd for the time that they would show like she was really like coming on to him and he was like no we shouldn't we shouldn't and then like well, when they finally he, does, he kisses her yes but then he runs away well <laughs> i don't I know read that I just... more as like dramatic for the camera I thought it was like he was uncomfortable with I don't know. I mean, it I just... think he like he wants to be part of the. I mean, he. What I read is that like, or, or like how what I read and knew it is that like he was interested in her, but he also was a seventeen-year-old boy who like, I guess, had nothing else going on besides being a telegram deliverer, and he got sucked into the like illusion of whatever seemed great about the third Reich and so you know that was like that dazzled him and he was like well I'm too big and important because now I deliver telegrams for the third Reich so like I I don't have time for silly schoolgirls who are a year younger than me yeah I mean it could have been he really didn't care about her and it was just like oh so you know she happens to be here and if i see her but the reality is he wasn't like that interested yeah or he just got easily distracted by politics i definitely remember one of the play versions i saw that that whole scene where they're in the abbey and then rolf discovers them 
mm-hmm. was totally different in that he was going to turn them in. And then he sees Liesl and he says, like, nobody's over here. Oh. <laughs> and like, yeah. And then that it's and then in this one, also, like, WTF Captain Von Trapp, because like he's trying to get his family to escape, but he still keeps like deliberately provoking the Nazis as they're yeah. attempting to escape. And I was just like, do you want to escape or not, dude? Yeah. Like at the concert, he gets everyone to sing Edelweiss, yeah. which makes everyone mad. And then like he actually convinces Ralph to give him the gun in the Abbey. And then he was like, you, you know, basically insults his manhood. Yeah. So that he tells on them in the end when he wasn't going to. And I was yeah. like, just like Can carrying you... it was like two steps th- too far. Yeah. He wasn't good at like being deceptive or manipulative, which I guess is supposed to speak to his virtue. <laughs> but just like if I had seven kids with me that I was trying to like protect, protect, I would not be like, you know what? Here in this dark crypt is where I'm going to. <laughs> tell you what i think of you while you have the power to kill us all like no that i wouldn't do that um what did you think of the nuns um i mean i would be interested in reading a um like a take on the theology in this movie like the just like what kind of convent this was like what the like reverend mother's like take on everything like officially is like was there a convent in Salzburg that like actively like resisted the Nazis? Well, one of the things I read when I was like looking at the trivia was that um, when they were doing the filming, they had to put up like Nazi stuff around oh. Salzburg and mm-hmm. they were worried that it would like upset the locals. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to go around and like talk to people and be like, "This is for a movie. Like, don't worry about this." Mm-hmm. And then the lo- like the officials were kind of getting like upset about it, and so uh-huh. the filmmaker said, "Okay, like we'll just use news footage from that time of like Nazi stuff." Uh-huh. Like, and then they were like, "Oh no, 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 no! Don't use the news footage." Oh, <laughs> because the reality was that like. Salzburg that area was actually largely sympathetic to the Nazi cause and they were pretty welcoming to the Nazis so they like didn't want and I mean it kind of makes sense culturally that like you know Hitler was very into like Bavaria and Bavarian culture is very closely linked to like that part of Austria yeah and I don't you know so it does well, kind of make sense. But like I I wonder if you actually looked at the history if there would have been that many people who were very resistant. Yeah. In that area. Well, and if the women in the convent would be more likely to be resistant because of like their faith. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's I don't know as much about convents, but I know there is dark history within the Catholic Church of mm-hmm. like church leadership collaborating former pope yeah (laughs) so for example for example (laughs) so i don't know but the nuns tended to be like kind of not that close to power so yeah i don't know 
But I thought it was interesting just that, and I found this to be like true to my experience of like talk about vocation and stuff Mm. that the nuns like when she came back to the convent did not say like oh great you're back and like now we're gonna make you a nun they were like no like you need to be here for the right reasons you can't be here because you're trying to escape something else yeah like you need to be called to this that I mean that's definitely the kind of talk that I experienced around that kind of stuff too that's like you can't just be interested in this because you're trying to escape from like some kind of trauma or like mm-hmm. you know whatever has happened in your life like you need to be comp- like running towards this not away from something else mm-hmm. but I just I I liked that that they they actually encouraged her to like go back out when you would think they would just be interested in like getting more numbers to the convent mm-hmm. right right <laughs> Or focused on um on like uh high quality nuns, not quantity of nuns. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that part was cool. And the other thing, I mean, it to the surprise of nobody, I would like to discuss class in this film. <laughs> because it re- like they don't really explicitly say that maria she's definitely not from the upper class she's at least from like middle or lower class like seems like she's kind of from the village yeah she's from the hills it ended up that like she like it i viewed it as like she crossed several classes to marry yes captain von trapp and she was his employee yeah and he was wealthy wealthy because of the austrian navy yeah and they I don't know if this was supposed to be in the movie or if it was just the real person, but there was some sort of, the family had some sort of title from like, you know, centuries before. But I think at that time they weren't really, they weren't legally supposed to be using titles anymore, but that's, but they still were. (laughs) But so he was, it seemed like old money. And then also he had done well in the military. So then he had that, although their house was insane. (laughs) Like it was, I, know. Who, I know and i think it, i was reading about where it was filmed and it's actually like considered a palace like uh it's a big huge mansion yeah i think it's it's bigger than a mansion it's an enormous palace um but it just was interesting to me that basically he had two romantic interests and one was a peer Mm-hmm. who is from his class mm-hmm. and wealthy and his same age and like mm-hmm. sophisticated and it seemed like kind of ran in the like salon set and it, it seemed like he enjoyed like flirting with her and bantering with her i assume they were sleeping together because he was like going to visit her for months at a time yeah and then he ultimately rejects her and then picks this girl who's basically a servant <laughs> and is you know not i guess beyond whatever she got as a novitiate like probably not very highly educated mm-hmm. and more of just like a simple person with like good values and i was it, it was kind of surprising and it, it made me think like 
it's hard to be on the side of the Baroness because she is like a Nazi sympathizer, if not enabler. But Wait, also, what, what makes you say that the Baroness is a Nazi sympathizer? Well, this could be me. It's more explicit in the play. Oh, but there were a couple comments in the movie, but like it's not. But basically, in the play, that's the reason they break up because oh. she tells him you she- have to get on board with the Nazis for pragmatic reasons. Oh, and in the movie, it, it's they break up because he's in love with Maria. Well, yeah, ostensibly. That's, I liked how she tried to be like, it's mutual. And I'm like, girl, yeah. it's not. You wanted to marry this dude. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. She was like, I want somebody. I'm too independent. I need to be needed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I did feel like she got kind of screwed over in this whole thing. Yeah, but uh, like you were saying, like she's very wealthy. Yeah, she didn't need him. It just seemed like it seemed like he kind of like let I don't know. It was very classic like, you know, he has this person who's his equal mm-hmm. in pretty much like every way and he like strings her along and ultimately he rejects her for like the nanny. And in real life, she was actually like 25 years younger than him. Yeah. That's although Christopher Plummer in this movie was only 35. Yeah. He's he was 13 years older than Charmian Carr. And apparently they had like a like mutual attraction. I'm not, I mean, he was, I, I, one of my notes was like Christopher Plummer could get it in this movie. Yeah. He did, I mean, he looked good. He may be saying really dumb words, but he looks good saying them. Yes, that's that's exactly right. I don't like his character. I, it was hard to figure out who to like in this movie. Uh, I liked yeah. the nuns. I was going to say the nuns and the like littlest kids. Yeah, the funny thing is, I don't know if you would think this, but the youngest girl, Gretel, I looks a lot like my daughter. Oh. <laughs> so the whole like normally I, when little kids are supposed to be really cute in movies and stuff i find it annoying uh-huh um as exhibited by like meet me in st louis and philadelphia story all, all the movies where they're supposed to be a cute kid i'm like i hate that person <laughs> but like in this movie she, i was like oh she looks like my daughter and now i like her <laughs> i thought she was really cute <laughs> the cutest oh my gosh that's funny but yeah that's because i liked maria up until a point and then she basically lost all her agency and i was yeah. like uh-huh. yeah that, make a decision i mean i guess yeah. there's a scene like or when they're like in the they have the dark car and they're trying to leave and the nazis stop them where she like just as equally like pipes up to say to the like nazi officers like come on we gotta go that would have been so terrifying yeah I will say I liked the Julie Andrews performance like she's very beautiful and like charming and everything but she's also kind of goofy (laughs) (laughs) I liked that like she was it wasn't I read that one of the other people they talked about for this role was Grace Kelly oh and I I was like you know Grace Kelly is is lovely but like she's like too perfect and remote and i like i liked how julie andrews is like swinging her suitcases around and like yeah she's believable yeah exactly like she just like she had gumption but she was kind of you know flying by the seat of her pants i just i liked that about her character 
Mm-hmm. And I still listen to I Have Confidence as part of my like pump up mix. I love it. That's so good. <laughs> that's a it good really song. is good. It is. Yeah, that's my other song that I like from this movie. I feel like there's so much we could talk about. And it is a three hour movie. So <laughs> yeah, just, there's a lot to a lot to talk about. What did you think of the dancing? I think it was like just about as complex as it needed to be. Like I find it hard to believe like the times where they were like, oh, yes, this family of seven children just came up with this dance. I found that hard to believe. You know, if you if I could suspend disbelief, my disbelief a little bit, it was like just enough dancing before it got to be too much for me but i don't know <laughs> what about you yeah that's a f- like it didn't really seem as central to this movie as some of the other musicals we've watched there was yeah. no dream ballet which i'm sure you're happy about there was no dream ballet i i am in fact happy about that <laughs> like the longest dance was the 16 going on 17 bit yeah which she broke her leg doing that so i read that that she like went through the wall of the gazebo yeah <laughs> Which and then oh, that sounds awful. Yeah, that, I thought that dance was pretty good, but it it definitely was secondary. Um, I did like the one of the scenes I did not remember was that whole Austrian folk dance scene between oh, Maria with the, with the Lendler. Yes, I thought that was very romantic. Like mm-hmm. just yeah, I it liked made, that a lot. It made me want to like learn some actual dances. <laughs> yeah wouldn't it be cool to just pull that out of your hat be like oh this song's on i guess i better break into my folk dance (laughs) they i also thought they had really good chemistry christopher Plummer and julie andrews um which makes a difference in a movie like this i mean she was hitting him over the head with a valentine every day but (laughs) yeah (laughs) i just can't imagine like i only have two kids and the idea of like going into a household with seven children and then she was like taking them all like she took them into salzburg she took them up into the mountains they were like riding the train i was like i would definitely have lost two of these children by now (laughs) yeah I mean, I only have one child and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you, I mean, I guess like it helps that like the oldest one is 16 and then there's like, you know, a 14 year old and a 13. I mean, there's like a bunch of them that are over 10 years old. So she's not like actively preventing their death all the time. Yeah, that's true. It just, it seems like a lot. I (laughs) would have trouble with that. Yeah. Apparently in real life, she was only hired to tutor one of them because Mm. that kid was sick and couldn't go to school which sounds much more manageable yeah well and in real life didn't she have like another kid or two after they got married yeah so there were seven and then after they got married they had three more oh my god (laughs) so yeah it's a lot I mean, I guess, like, once you have seven kids, like... What's three more? <laughs> yeah, what's three more? <laughs> but where do you put them? <laughs> well, when you ha- have a palace. Yeah, guess... that's true. When you have a palace, then I guess that's not as much of a question. Yeah. Where do you put them? <laughs> Under the stairs, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I've been living my own life, making my own decisions for a long while now. It's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again. Do you think we're ready to talk about the Bechdel test? Yeah. Well, I just wrote, like, within, in the opening of this, like, this movie immediately passes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, a whole song, like, I mean, 
like the re like the reprise of the like how do you solve a problem like Maria like like they t- twist it around to make it like oh like how do you solve a problem like Maria oh well like put her in a wedding dress and march her down the aisle um <laughs> but like at first it's about like you know it's a bunch of nuns talking about this other like feisty nun <laughs> so yeah that's true I mean I think that it's almost like there's a Bechdel test loophole for if the yeah if the movie has nuns in it it passes and it doesn't necessarily make it a feminist movie yeah that's for sure but it just inherently has more multiple women in it who mm-hmm. are not interested in men yeah and like you know aren't just talking about men so like the mother superior like has authority mm-hmm. and the two nuns do like take the engine apart and stuff mm-hmm. so they the nuns seem to have agency in the movie yes um but the main female characters do seem like mostly concerned about romance and men yeah romance and men yeah except for like a few moments when they're talking to each other like Liesel and Maria are like engaging about the other kids yeah. And the goat herds. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No more goat herds. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think it does pass, but it's I don't think it's a particularly feminist movie. No, I agree. <laughs> we all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. Um, what about social justice? I mean, there's obvious themes here, like around opposing Nazism. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you also like you you brought up like the in addition to resistance to Nazism and just the plain fact of Nazism, there's the, you know, the class elements that aren't totally addressed, but are apparent if you don't look for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree about that. And I think there's definitely an element like within the romance between the captain and Maria that they connect over their like love of the culture Mm-hmm. and of their country yeah that's a really good point um in in a way that that's like something missing from his relationship with the baroness mm-hmm. yeah that's a really good point he was he just wanted a simple girl who could do a folk dance and sing a song and go hiking in the mountains with <laughs> yeah follow the rules <laughs> um so <laughs> it's kind of sad like it's it's both like, yes, you would want someone who like cares about your culture and values, but also, you know, like, I don't know. I just, that's part make sure of it those, is just. Let's make sure that that culture and those values are like actually pro-women and yeah. pro-justice, pro-equality and equity. Yeah, not just subservient to yeah. the man. Yeah. So on that note, what would you rate this hill? I mean, I think I would give it a three because, I, you know, I'm, I would watch it again. And if I ever watched it with my son, I would want to watch it when he's old enough to like have a conversation about it, like about the like depiction of women and the depiction of Nazism and resistance to Nazism. So it could be like not just a fun watch, but more of a like educational, you know, so there's some context Um, because I do. I mean, there are enough songs in it that like I appreciate the music and I appreciate that it's a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical even though there are a lot of problems with Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals just generally um in terms of like the depiction of women and of cultures that aren't white but yeah so I I mean I'm gonna watch it again 
at some point in the next four years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think this is a movie that you can escape. Like, this yeah. is definitely part of the cultural consciousness, and you would be hard-pressed to find someone, I think, anywhere, at yeah. least in the U.S., who has not seen it. <laughs> yeah, or or who doesn't know, like, the references. Yeah, and it's funny because it's often, uh, you know, this coming out of December, it's often seen as a Christmas movie, even though there is no Christmas mm-hmm. in it, but, like, yeah. Um, my favorite things is played at Christmas time as a Christmas song. Yeah. Bizarrely. Yeah. And I the only reason I could think of is because they mention wrapped packages right. in the song. But there's no other reason. Yeah. I would agree. I would give it a three. I was kind of debating a three or a three point five. Because I do think like if you're just looking at like the talent depicted mm-hmm. in this movie, like the cinematography is great. Mm-hmm. the singing is great um mm-hmm. i think a lot of the acting is very good i enjoy the scenery a lot i actually visited this area before and it looks exactly the same i was gonna ask you about that if you had been been here when i was studying in germany i like stayed in munich for a while and that's oh. not very far so like i went to salzburg and like on my way to Salzburg, I just like passed through this that like lake area. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it honestly was like you felt like, how can this possibly be real? You felt like the hills were alive with the sound of music. I, I did. And then I ran up into the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> and found the lonely goat herd. Yes. Exactly. I mean, it I was yodeling immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is that beautiful and it, it feels like a good movie. It, it would be like a movie that you would watch to f- if you wished you could go on a vacation but couldn't. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like that mm-hmm. kind of thing to me. But I do think this time I did not fast forward at all, but like if I was watching it again, I would have to skip some of the more annoying songs. Cause yeah. I don't. And maybe like, you know, some of the stuff in the last part of the film where Maria is just like cast aside as a character. Yeah, that makes sense. So a three. And I do, I know Rodgers and Hammerstein are problematic, but I also, I do enjoy a lot of their musicals. It's just mm-hmm. like everything kind of has to be with a grain of salt, but this is not... Mm-hmm. I like others of theirs a lot more than this. Yeah, I mean, the big problem is that it's like not historically accurate at all in any way. Yeah, yeah. And also just like almost all, like you were saying, almost all of their musicals are like just not at all feminist. <laughs> They're just yeah, like totally, the values are not totally great. Totally sexist. Yeah. Yes, very male gazy. Yeah, well, and like there are some that are like just plain old also racist um oh yeah and that there's no opportunity for that to come up here but because there's only white people because <laughs> there's only white people so yeah the, I, the, just as talking i think three was the right rating yeah um so what are we watching next hill oh our next movie is the man who came to dinner yeah hopefully shorter than three hours <laughs> <laughs> may it please the court i submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter at The Screen Sirens. Leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. And become a patron at patreon.com slash The Screen Sirens. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.